This is the Weather Lounge here at Weatherworks. Hello there and welcome back to the Weather Lounge. I'm your host, meteorologist Brad Miller. And as always, I would like to thank you for listening to our podcast as we come to you from our Weatherworks headquarters located in Hackettstown, New Jersey. And joining me for today's episode is the one and only meteorologist Mike Mahalik. Hello there, Mike. Hey, Brad. Uh, what's going on? I mean, that was that was a weak intro, man. I, I mean, know. The, where's the descriptions i mean well, usually you have something for me to uh some crazy off the wall i know well i haven't been on the last couple of podcasts you and mike wouldn't let me uh wouldn't let me join in so I oh felt like well rudolph. you know I, fe- I felt like rudolph he wouldn't let me play in any reindeer games well <laughs> i figure i'd lay low on this one before you know well i mean you why are you going on all these vacations come on i'm not <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's, uh, you know, it's summertime. We all got to get some time off here, but uh, I'll come up with uh, some good ones for you next time, I promise. But uh, you know what? We are going to revisit a few important topics this week, Mike, and uh, we're going to talk about some new stuff as well. Um, it's, uh, it's I think it's going to be a good episode. Yeah, so in this podcast, we're going to kind of revisit what you did in a webinar not too long ago here, Brad, um, and you talked a lot about summer weather. Uh, and some tips and some safety tips that go along with it. Yeah, yeah, I think it's uh, it's it's a good uh, good topic to go back to. And like I said, we'll probably talk about a few things we've already had in a previous podcast, and uh, also some new stuff. And uh, I think uh, I think everyone's going to like the topics uh, going forward. So without further ado, let's get started. And uh, I guess the first thing to talk about it is summertime. Is uh, you know. The heat, and uh, that's probably the biggest concern for a lot of folks uh, that work outside. And not only that, when you go outside, you you're doing activities, and uh, you're in the sun for a long, uh, you know, part of the day, and things like that. So you know, put on the sunscreen. That's probably always number one. You got to get that sunscreen on. But then, of course, when the heat starts building, it usually is accompanied by humidity, and that makes it feel a lot hotter than it really is. You know, the dew point, that's another uh, buzzword in the summertime. We hear about, you know, 60 degree dew point, 65. You know, when that dew point gets to like 70 degrees and higher, that's when it's kind of oppressive outside. You don't want to really go outside. It like the heat kind of hits you right in the face as soon as you walk in, almost like when you get into a car, you know, and uh, it's just like been baking in there. Um, but, you know, that, again, it, it, it's, you know, it could turn into some serious issues if folks don't, uh, you know, take breaks and drink plenty of water. Um, you know, Mike, you, you used to work outside in landscaping too. I mean, it's, it's, it's gets hot. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it certainly gets hot and that day drags on when you have those heat indexes, uh, you know, in the mid nineties, upper nineties, stuff like that. I remember there was <laughs> one day when, when I was working landscaping where, you know, it was, I think the actual air temperature might've been a hundred degrees and it was humid also. So, I mean, we were talking about heat indices, you know, reaching 105, 110. I mean, it was pretty brutal. And I remember the way I battled it because, you know, it was hard to keep, even with a cooler, it was hard to keep your stuff cold, like water and stuff like that to hydrate. And I used to take a gallon of water and I used to freeze half of it. And then fill the rest up in the morning. You know, That's with, smart. Yeah. And then the, it was like a giant ice cube in, in the gallon of water. And that usually helped out. And, you know, so you had some cold water to drink all day long. But, but yeah, I mean, a lot of heat-related inj- injuries you got to watch out for, like heat exhaustion. Um, and heat stroke. Um, yeah, that's a bad one. Heat exhaustion, you can usually take care of and you feel like, all right, well, you kind of feel faint or, you know, you get tired quick, you're a little weak. And, you know, that's when your body's telling you, hey, you better get inside here because uh, things aren't going good inside your body right now. It's too hot. But, yeah, the heat stroke, uh, that's that's when your body's kind of shutting down. You basically you've gone too far at that point. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that's 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 an immediate uh, trip to uh, go see the doctor or, or head to the hospital and, you know, get get yourself taken care of. Um, um, but a lot of those heat exhaustion things, I mean, I know, you know obviously, if you're working outside, you're going to have heavy sweating and stuff like that. I mean, you know, that that's going to happen. But once it escalates. Yeah, when you stop sweating and it's still 100 out, that's uh, that's when the problems begin. And you know what? One other thing, Mike, is, is a lot of folks don't realize, um, hopefully they do, you know, when you take your pets for a 
a walk. Don't, don't take them for a walk at two in the afternoon, you know, after it's been like 95, 96 degrees because that pavement gets so hot. Um, you know, an air temperature of 77 degrees, um, asphalt can actually get to 125 in full sun and yeah it's uh it's not good and if you get up to like the 80s and that that hot uh, hot asphalt you know gets like 120 one or 130 140 so basically if if you if you can't walk on it with your feet or your touch it with your hands then their paws can get burned too it's just it's just uh you know one of those things so i can relate that to when i was a kid i used to have a friend who lived across the street from me who had a pool and I remember a few times I didn't take flip-flops along and then I had to walk across that street <laughs> with my bare feet. And I was like, oh, no, <laughs> I had to run real quick. And, you know, just think about that. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You, you know, what I hate the most. Uh, I mean, everyone likes to go to the beach and, and, and when you go to the shore and Ooh, stuff like yeah. that. that. That sand when you walk around on your bare feet, like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that dry sand when you first get on the. Oh, man, that's, that's, that's ridiculous. Brutal. Brutal. I remember uh, I, I was down at a, a trip down in uh, uh, Sandbridge, Virginia, which is right on the northern outer banks. Um, uh, and man, it was so hot the one day um, that I, I don't know if I was going to get to the beach. At that <laughs> yeah, no, I, <laughs> you know, the, the sand keep about. getting in. Wow. So anyway, but uh, yeah, so uh, if you're going to be out in the heat, um, you know, obviously the things that you want to think you, you want to think about are staying hydrated, you know, avoiding stuff that's going to dry you out like uh, caffeine or caffeinated beverages, stuff like that. Loose fitting, lightweight clothing, light colored clothing is always a good idea. Plenty of breaks, you know, get in the shade when you can, you know, and uh, you know, a nice wide brim hat a lot of times yeah. helps out too. Um, I almost so, always wear a hat when I'm out there. Plus, I'm going bald too, so you can't. Uh, you know, <laughs> well, burn you your can't head. get. Well, you got to rub that sunscreen in as well. Yeah, you yeah, you know the sunscreen. I... <laughs> you get the, get it like real thick on there, so you got I a nice a white. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. I don't want to talk about my baldness. Hey, severe <laughs> weather now. That's of course another one that uh, everyone likes to talk about and doesn't like to be dealing with, though. But yeah. Yeah, that goes along with the with the heat, obviously. You know, you have your heat, you have your humidity, you know, it's it's really, you know, kind of gross out there, but that's a lot of good fuel um to develop thunderstorms. Um so when you have that type of air mass in place, if you add a cold front uh in there or maybe even a sea breeze or lake breeze boundary or something like that, um that is your trigger to kind of you know, get things going as far as thunderstorms are concerned. Um, and when you have that much fuel, that much heat and humidity, you know, a lot of times these things can go strong to severe very quickly. Um, and you're, you can deal with obviously damaging winds, um, you know, lots of lightning with these um, severe thunderstorms, um, you know, and even tornadoes at times, um, you know, during the summer. Well, then uh, another thing that rhymes with tornadoes that, what is it called? Derechos? Um, ah, we got to talk about derechos. Yeah. Yeah. Derechos are, uh, you know, big, long lasting windstorms that pretty much cover a swath of 250 miles or more, I believe. And yeah, I mean, those just kind of sustain themselves. It's basically a thunderstorm complex that just kind of sustains itself across the the center of the country and uh um they can be quite damaging there was one in um 2012 that was really bad 10 years ago it was you know just about uh almost to the day it was back in late june i think the 29th and 30th of june the one that kind of raked its way from the upper midwest right to the mid-atlantic yeah all the way all the way through virginia um so yeah i mean that was a a very notable uh derecho um, and those wind speeds can get quite high in those. Um, but I think one of the most important things about severe weather, um, you know, yes, we're looking for these damaging winds, the hail and, and things like that. Um, but is the watches versus the warnings. And we've talked about this many times, Brad. Um, and there's still some that have a little difficulty distinguishing between 
what's the difference between a watch and what's the difference between a warning? Um, so one of the the uh, quick and dirty kind of explanations is something called you can kind of relate it to a taco, believe it or not. Yeah, I like this. Actually, Mike Priante, uh, he was he was uh, our, one of our, our he's producer, on here, of course. Yeah, and he's on here too quite a bit. Yeah, and I like this so, idea. Yeah, the you could kind of relate watches and warnings to tacos, right? So, if you have a taco watch, <laughs> you have all the ingredients in front of you. You have the tortillas, you have the shells, you have the cheese, the meat, the 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 lettuce the tomatoes the salsa whatever you're going to put on your taco so all everything's there but there's still not a taco right you know it, it's just all separated but then once you put that together and you have all your items in that shell and you have your full taco made that's a taco warning because there's a taco there <laughs> Before you just had ingredients, now you have a full taco made. The ingredients are all have all come together now, and that's how you get your warning, which means usually something is occurring or is about to very shortly. So right. So let's relate that back to severe weather watches and warnings. So if there's a severe thunderstorm watch, that means the conditions are favorable in the atmosphere um, for severe thunderstorms with inch diameter hail or 58 mile per hour or greater winds. Um, same thing with a tornado. If there's a tornado watch, that means you're watching the conditions are there that you could get severe thunderstorms to develop that could produce tornadoes. Now, once you have your warning that flashes across the screen, usually you get that scrolling thing on the bottom of your news channel or whatever it may be. Your phones go off now. Yep. Yep. You know, that means that there is a severe thunderstorm that has developed. So it's there now. It's the taco. <laughs> and it's capable or has a history of producing these damaging winds and hail. Uh, and the same thing with a tornado. Um, we have something either radar confirmed that there's a radar signature that a tornado w is within a thunderstorm or one has been spotted by somebody on the ground. Um, so that's the big difference. The watch everything's ready the warning it is there and we're have to take cover um to get safe inside so you know one thing i gotta ask mike about uh is we if you were a part of the webinar last month there was a picture of that taco watch part all the ingredients and i think there's a radish in there i've never heard of anyone putting radishes on their taco have you i no i think it's a radish <laughs> yeah that looks like radishes cut up i i I don't know who's making these tacos. <laughs> hey, I'm not going to knock it. Maybe it's good. Yeah, maybe it's like it's it's like well, radishes are like kind of peppery and crunchy, so maybe uh, yeah, I have to try that. I mean, uh, avocado. I mean, is yeah. Well, that's guacamole. Is it going to make guacamole out of avocado? There was like slices of uh, avocado there. I actually had a taco the other night that was actually had avocado in it, which is nice. quite good. Yeah, they are good. I like avocado. I like to eat them just plain, but. <laughs> all right let's move on here we're getting hungry um all right of course uh, the other thing that goes right along with severe weather and and thunderstorms is lightning and uh and that's the one thing that you really got to be aware of um you know get the kids inside you know you start to hear the rumble in the distance and uh, that's usually a good uh you know idea that you're going to get something uh, shortly and you got to start thinking about packing things up over on the golf course and you know we'll talk about that later but one thing mike that is our pet peeve a lot of meteorologists your um, pet peeve maybe well i think it's a lot of people <laughs> i think it's a lot of meteorologists it's, it's spelled lightning not lightning um you see that a lot uh, in a lot of places i think i've done it a few times too a long time ago now i make sure that i never do it yeah, I, I talked to uh, my wife, too, and she's a teacher, so she picks up on these things very quickly if, if somebody spells uh, something wrong. She has a real big problem with uh, your and your. And, your and there and there, yeah. Uh, and, and she, like, she it's like nails on the chalkboard for her when she sees those misspellings or incorrect usages. So, yeah, so I think what Brad's saying is just, um, you know, yeah, it is lightning. It's not lightning. It, it's not, you know. There's always the extra E in there, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's uh, yeah, just a little thing to just be on aware of. But uh, but otherwise, I mean, yeah, I mean, 
there's this old saying that they have, when thunder roars, head indoors. And that's because if you can hear thunder, that means lightning is close enough to potentially strike in your area. And uh, really, I guess a way to, def- to to find out how far away a storm is, and it's the old, I think I used to do this as a kid. I learned about this. Uh, you count the seconds between the lightning and the thunder, then you divide by five. So if you see the lightning and you count to 10, and then you hear the thunder, um, that means the storm's about two miles away, which at that point is pretty close. So you don't want to uh, mess around. You got to probably get inside. And then, of course, you know, you get those storms that are basically on top of you, the the lightning, and then the thunder follows immediately after the lightning. And that's when you know the storm is, you know, basically above. And uh, hopefully by then you're already inside. <laughs> yeah, when it sounds like cannons are going off around you, it's, it's not a good thing. I mean, please. Uh... <laughs> get get yourself to a safe area and by that i mean you know hey get inside and, and don't hang out by the window and look at the storm and, yeah. and watch the lightning i mean uh, as a meteorologist uh, yeah I, uh, pretty interested in that sort of stuff so i probably have uh, failed that uh, safety lesson a little bit um while watching a storm come in um and i and i try my best to uh, uh you know stay safe obviously out there you know because um, lightning is uh, a real danger um, out there, and a lot of lightning strikes happen, you know, per year, and 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 deaths do happen from them. And lightning's hot. I mean, obviously, you think <laughs> lightning's hot, but it's uh, it, it's not hot. It's cold, right? You know, it's, it's just... hotter than the surface of the sun. But uh, you know, it can reach a temperature of fifty thousand degrees Fahrenheit, and that's like I can't even fathom that. I mean. You think about just hot boiling water and it's 212 degrees. So can you imagine a, a, a lightning bolt that's 50,000 degrees? Jeez. Yeah. And I think what, when they say about the runder, uh, the runder, the runder, <laughs> the runder roar, uh, you know, I was trying to say thunder roars. I think when they say that it's because there's times when lightning could pretty much come out of nowhere. And that's basically a bolt from the blue they like to call. And those can, you know, uh, extend almost 20 miles away from a thunderstorm, I believe. Um, So that's why if you could hear any thunder, you are in range, basically. And and we see that on the radar. I mean, when we have our lightning detection up and things like that, you know, know, the line of storms, like you said, maybe 20 miles away. And then they see a lightning bolt like out. Like, there's no way that can be right. But it's true. Sometimes they could travel that far. And unfortunately, you know, it's, it's just as deadly as anything else. Any other lightning, it's the same. Hey, and we were talking about uh, a bit of a pet peeve earlier. Uh, another one that I have that's a little more of a pet peeve, and that's heat lightning. When's the heat lightning going to hit my backyard? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's no such thing as heat lightning. Um, I know it's kind of in common language, you know, when you're having a thunderstorm at night and you see, you know, flashes in the distance, but you're not hearing any thunder or anything. Um, you know, you're saying, well, it's just so hot that, you know, it's causing lightning well that's not really the case um so sorry to burst your bubble about heat lightning but um what heat lightning really is is just a thunderstorm that may be very far away might be 50 even 100 miles away um and you're able to see the lightning um but you just don't hear the thunder because it's too far away and and the sound wave doesn't get to you um, so really, heat lightning is just thunderstorms well off in the distance. Um, so just keep that in mind next time you hear heat lightning, um, you know, that yeah, it's not really a, a real uh, phenomena. And really, it's, it's, it's only a phenomena that can happen at night because it's the same idea. If the storm's 50 miles away, during the daytime, you just can't see the lightning from that storm. But of course, at night when it's dark, the light travels and you can actually see that storm then. And that's what, uh, again, like Mike was saying, it's just can't hear the thunder, but um, same idea. But, you know, and lightning can strike the same place twice. You know, it's it, that old old adage, oh, well, lightning can't strike. And it can. It can it can hit something, and then next 
you know, five minutes later, same thing can happen. It's just, again, it's, it's trying to find the, you know, the closest or shortest distance from the cloud to the ground in the, in the, you know, the strongest storms like that. I mean, it doesn't always have to have cloud ground lightning, but when they do happen. But I mean, yeah, your, your cell phone tower is going to have the, uh, (laughs) a better chance to get hit by lightning than, than something like. Well, the Empire State Building in New York too. I mean, that's that's probably been, and hit, you know, thousands upon thousands of times. And, and the funny thing is, too, is that if you watch lightning videos in slow motion, and I'm sure you could find it on YouTube, you know, the same the same bolt will 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 tr- will send charges down that same path a couple of times. So a lightning strike a lot of times isn't just one solitary strike. It's multiple discharges along the same pathway um, that it found from the cloud to the ground. Um, but one thing we're talking about strikes, Brad. And I know you really like this one graphic from the National Weather Service that talks about ways you can get struck by lightning. And uh, I know you like the little animation going along with that, right? Yeah, the little guy there getting hit. Uh, again, it's not a real guy, so it's okay. <laughs> it's just Yeah, it's like a cartoon guy, but... Uh, you know, he has his hand out kind of weird, like he's Michael Jackson or something. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, like he's doing some sort of dance. But I guess they're trying to show that the, the, the lightning or the, the, the electricity is coursing through his body. I don't know what they're trying to go for there. Um, but if you do look that one up online, uh, ways that lightning can strike, uh, and you type in, like, National Weather Service or something, too, you'll probably come up with that graphic. Yeah, it's 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 different ways. Uh, you know, direct strike. Uh, actually, a tree can get struck, and then the the electricity can travel through the root system if you're close enough. Uh, same thing if you're by a. You know, that's why you don't want to be by a fence because if lightning can strike a tree, then it travels along the fence line, the, the metal, and you know that's just not good. Either way, just don't be outside anyway, and in, in, in any thunderstorm. <laughs> and one thing that is probably one of the the uh, the most um, things that maybe people wouldn't think about is the ground current. Um, so I actually know of a story of, of someone who this actually ended up fatal um, for. And basically it wasn't because of lightning, it was because of a, a power station that was, you know, damaged. Um, but um, the ground current, you know, the grass was wet. Um, you go out there with bare feet or something like that. And the ground current basically, you know, ended up getting this person um, and and electrocuting him. And that's what can happen with lightning, too. So if you have bare feet, that's even worse because you're going to get your conduction right through. But if you had some rubber-soled shoes, you might have a better chance um, in a ground current situation. But. And we and we deal with the lightning here at Weatherworks. I mean, every, every day, you know, especially in the summertime. Right. And, you know, we have clients that uh, do like to have warnings about lightning. Um, and, you know, there's several uh, stadiums that are interested in that. We have several up and down the I-95 corridor, yeah. So, yeah, professional football teams that are interested in lightning and other sports teams, um, you know, because, you know, they want to keep their players safe and anybody in the crowd needs to be safe too. Um, so, yeah, we do have ways that we can – kind of predict when lightning would be most likely and it works very well too um but enough about lightning i think you know the ba- the main thing is hey get inside if yeah, there's going to be lightning and if you're on the golf course like you were that one time you told no, us about i don't know what you're talking about i but... think i did i've done that too i mean you think i, I did, did not stop uh... under a halfway house or whatever it was um you think of the of the Reverend or whoever, the guy from Caddyshack, when you know, yeah. he gets struck by lightning at the end <laughs> or at the end of his round because he <laughs> yeah. was going for the course record. Yeah, that was the funny thing. Uh, you know, uh, what did uh, Bill Murray say? I don't think the heavy stuff's going to come down for quite some time, you know, and it was already heavy rain and oh, yeah, horrible. Um, but anyway, yeah, just just get inside if lightning's around. But uh, the other thing we got to worry about with severe weather is uh, hail and you know. We always like to say stuff like, you know, oh, what the hell is happening out there? You know, that's a, <laughs> I know that's a, a silly dad joke, you know, but, uh, you know, the one thing that we need to cover about hail is that it's not the same as sleep. OK, 
Uh, hail is a different process than sleet. Sleet is what you have in the winter. It looks like little BBs or something like that um, that are little frozen balls that kind of accumulate. Um, and hail is in the summertime for the most part has to do with thunderstorm updrafts where you know you get frozen raindrops and they're lifted into the thunderstorm and they kind of um, are, are, are rhymed by more more and more water and they get bigger and bigger until they overcome the updraft of a thunderstorm and they fall down because they're just too heavy um, to be held up by the cloud. And I think the coolest thing about sleet is, uh, you know, on the meteorological meteorological side is, is, is when you get some of these big ones, like in Midwest, and we'll talk about the sizes here in a minute. You are talking about hail, correct? We're talking about <laughs> hail, yes, yes. I heard you say sleet, Brad. I'm going to come no, through oh, did this. I? Uh, no, I meant to say yeah. <laughs> But when they take a, they take like a, a, a saw and they check the, they, you know, saw it right in half and you can see the cross section of the hailstone. You can see it's almost like um, rungs of a tree, you know, the, the, the rings mm-hmm. on a tree, like tree rings. Yeah. Tree rings. And uh, it's same thing. That's how many times it's gone up and down in the cloud. And like Mike was saying, you get an extra layer of ice until it can you know, overcome the updraft and just fall to the ground. But uh, yeah, it's uh, and, and hail's no fun to be around either. I'll tell you, I, I mean, we're, we're here in the Northeast. We don't get hail much bigger than a quarter. You know, sometimes you get a little bit bigger than that. But I couldn't imagine living out in the Midwest or like the Plains where they get these baseball and softball size hail. I mean, that's like damaging. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it doesn't take much to damage. I mean, once you get above a quarter size uh, for hail, I know we had a hailstorm here uh, in Eastern Pennsylvania the one time and they had a lot of, you know, hail sales and stuff like that going on at the local car dealerships because everything was dented up. And, um, but yeah, some of that hail out in the Midwest, I mean, talking about baseball sized hail, softball sized hail. I mean, that's crazy. And there's a lot of videos out there that you can search um, I know there's a, a pretty famous one that I remember seeing. It looked like somebody kept throwing like giant rocks into a pool and <laughs> it was, it was just amazing. I mean, you know, it's not only the, the, the car damage and the house damage, but also crops out there could certainly be damaged. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, some farmers can lose a whole, you know, whole field in just one afternoon if a bad storm comes through with big, big hail. Not to mention your roof on your house. I mean, I, I've seen hail video of, of like hailstones so big that they actually come through people's roofs and they go into the attic and things like that. I mean, it's just like pretty amazing stuff. So, yeah, if hail is around in the thunderstorm, uh, please, please go inside on that one. You don't want to get hit in the head. And uh, yeah, and just for the record and speaking of records, the, the largest hailstone ever recorded in the United States occurred in uh, uh, South Dakota. Uh, a town called Vivian on July 23rd, 2010, and it measured eight inches in diameter. Could you imagine a, a hailstone eight inches wide? I mean, that's crazy. I mean, that's like a small dinner plate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, hitting you. So, um, yeah, that's amazing. That's when you go inside and get your baseball helmet on or just don't be outside. <laughs> Don't they don't they call that like gorilla hail or something like something that? Something like that, yeah, it's crazy. I, I believe that's what some of the the storm chasers call it, and and there's definitely storm chaser videos out there of. Well, there's that one chaser too that his car is like always dinged up bad, and he has to replace the windshield like every other week because it gets uh, cracked and and shattered due to hail. Because if you're gonna go find a tornado, then you're probably gonna hit some hail somewhere along the way. Because that uh, most storms that are producing tornadoes are producing. Um, hail somewhere within the storm as well ah yeah for sure so obviously hail is a threat but um how about next brad uh what about flooding that is uh one of the the biggest threats we do have when we end the in the summer season yeah i mean that's of course yeah and, and the one uh saying that everyone should know and uh which don't not everyone follows uh, turn around, don't drown. I mean, you never want to drive through a flooded roadway. Um, you know, the, the road could be washed out underneath and it could be even your local roads that you drive every single day. You don't know what's going on underneath it. And not only that, if, if, if the road's flooded out, if it's, if it's moving water, uh, just six inches of moving water can knock you over. Uh, a foot of ro- a, a foot of water can float a car, uh, two feet if you have a truck or an SUV. And, and once, and once that car, 
or a truck or anything gets inundated with the water underneath. There's nothing you can do. Once it starts to float, you are at the mercy of wherever it takes you now. There's no turning back to where, oh, I think I can. It, you're done. So you just gonna unfortunately got to go with it, and then hopefully uh, you don't you know get stranded or you know something uh, worse happens. Yeah, and and don't take that lightly either. I mean, think about when you're at the shore or something like that, and you you, you get that undertow that you feel when those waves are coming in, and you know that water's rushing out, and you know how hard is that to stand there for a little while uh, while that? Uh... Oh, I've even I think I've I've been knocked over when you're like you know you're you're waving to someone maybe. And maybe you're up to your knees just in, and then that next wave kind of comes oh. in and actually forces you towards the beach, and you fall over. And again, that's the power of the water. And that's just a you know a little bit on you. Can you imagine, you know, rushing water and ooh. It is. It is. Uh, it is interesting when you are turning around. You don't turn your back to the ocean, man. Because yeah, they always say, "What's it? Don't ever turn your back to the ocean." <laughs> I've gotten smacked in the back a few times uh, by some giant waves that kind of seem to come out of nowhere, um, and and that certainly gives you a little sense of the power of uh, water. Um, and I know I, a lot of people are probably guilty about driving through, um, you know, areas of water, and you know, you may think that it's shallow and it might look shallow, but really you don't know uh, what happened underneath. Um, you know, if that road got washed out in any way, um, you know, you're not going to be able to see that uh, until you, <laughs> unfortunately, are in the center of that and, you know, get caught up. And in it's it. too late. Mm-hmm. It all comes down to just uh, basically it's flash flooding and, and poor drainage flooding and things like that. So, you know, it, it's, it's usually when you get those, you know, rates of rainfall, you know, one, two, three inches per hour. Um, you know, in, which is usually accompanied with a thunderstorm and things like that. And that, and that's how we get to these points where, you know, these, uh, poor drainage road flooding, uh, issues start to start to pop up in, in spots. Right. Right. And a lot of times it's thunderstorms traveling over the same area, um, basically time after time. And we like to call that training, um, uh, when it comes to the thunderstorm activity, um, yeah, I mean, so and we see it every summer, even in the you know even the spring and fall too. But you know, definitely during the during the summer when you get these slow moving big thunderstorms, and they can produce you know, and you you can easily get two three inches of rain within you know forty five minutes, and then two miles away, hardly anything fell. You know, maybe got a light shower and barely wet the ground. So while they're isolated at times, they they can of course you know create these localized areas of flooding that you just can't do anything about. Yeah, but then other times you have stuff like a uh, tropical system that might, you know, cause a lot of the flooding issues. And a lot of times in the Northeast, you know, we might have not a hurricane impacting directly, but we might have what's left of a hurricane uh, moving through the area and really dropping a lot of rain. There's a lot of examples of that happening. I mean, there's there's uh, uh, Ivan, there's Floyd, if you go back in history um that caused a lot of river flooding um uh, well, agnes was just this past year i was more back towards pennsylvania it was a 50 year uh, uh 50 year anniversary of of agnes um, yeah that was a huge flooding event up here for susquehanna yep yeah and in delaware i think too as well yeah so you know definitely tropical systems we have to watch i mean one of the more recent ones was ida uh, that was and just that, last year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that dropped, you know, four to eight inches of rain, basically, um, from eastern Pennsylvania and, and Maryland all the way through um, Connecticut. And, right. I uh, think that was right before Labor Day weekend last year. Um, it was like a Wednesday, Thursday or something like that. Yeah. And um, so these definitely need to be, you know, watched very carefully uh, when they come up the coast, uh, especially if you had a lot of rainfall. Uh, leading up to it, because that certainly uh, makes it a little bit, um, a little bit more exacerbated. Uh, yeah, and, and you know the most unfortunate <clears throat> thing I think about Ida is, you know, any anybody that dies in any kind of tropical system or any kind of weather-related, um, you know, system is, you know, very unfortunate. Of course, um, you know, when when Ida made landfall along the Gulf Coast, um, there was some storm surge and they had, you know, wind damage and things like that. Um, but, you know, the worst part, I still think, is more people died in New Jersey from Ida 
and again, this wasn't a direct impact. It was like Mike was saying, this all the flooding that came along with a, um, I guess, a, a, a tropical system that really doesn't even have much wind anymore, but it was producing so much rainfall. And unfortunately, you know, more people died in New Jersey than where the storm actually made landfall at as a hurricane. Um, and that's just, you know, it's, it's, it's just, un, you know, it's, I, I couldn't believe that. Uh, unfortunately, and there were so many issues with Ida last year, and hopefully we don't have to deal with that again. You know, talking along the lines of flooding, um, coastal flooding um, is certainly more of an issue, too, when it comes to direct impacts of a tropical system, or even a nor'easter can cause this. Um, but basically, what causes the coastal flooding issues um, is the persistent onshore winds um and high tides um that will you know create this coastal flooding and a lot of times when you have a tropical system moving in you have some sort of storm surge which is basically the 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 push of extra water that that hurricane is bringing with it um to add to those high tides um so that's one of the biggest problems when it comes to you know hurricanes i mean a lot of people think of the wind um that is the big you know damaging aspect but really um the water is more of the issue um when it comes to major hurricanes yeah and and that's why they you know when you know there's a storm or a hurricane that's approaching a coastal area i mean that's why evacuations are needed and and uh you know the the hurricane center you know really you know, they put out that hurricane watcher warning and, and that's that's time that, you know, these folks and I and believe it or not, when I live when I the first year we moved to Charleston, um, this is going back, you know, s- several years. But uh, in 1998, you mentioned Floyd earlier and we had no idea what what to do It was our first summer down there. And they're like, well, you're going to have to evacuate. So I was like, evacuate. So we ended up sitting in that Floyd fiasco, as I call it, when um, they were trying to get people off you know, away from the coastal parts of South Carolina and Georgia, because at the time that's where the storm was supposed to make landfall. And it was just, it took, you know, I don't know if anyone's understands, uh, you know, the geography of of South Carolina and Charleston, but it's only about an hour and a half from Charleston to I-95 and basically, which is in Columbia, they're trying to get people to get to to I-95 and then you can go north or south and alleviate the traffic. It took people, we actually got off on a side road. It took a lot of people five to six hours to travel what would normally take about nine, uh, an hour and a half. And people got stuck and, and it was just, you know, it's, it's yeah, it was, it was known as the Floyd fiasco. If you want more information, you know, just kind of look it up. But it was, uh, and I think that's what led to a lot of highways reversing, um, you know, the east or west, you know, the opposite side of the roadway, they would actually make sure that that was going all out instead of in, and they wouldn't, you know, just give you twice as much area to, 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 to travel away from. So it, it, I think it kind of started then it's going back to 1998, I think. So it was crazy. I'll tell you Floyd fiasco, maybe 99. I can't remember. Um, but talking about hurricanes, let's talk a little bit, Brad, about hurricane preparedness. Um, what could we do? What could our listeners do if you are in the path of a hurricane as we head later in the summer and into the fall? Um, what can they do about it? I mean, you know, it's, it's just a lot of stuff that you would have to prepare for. Um, yeah. And a lot of these things you can actually have ready to go. Um, and, um, including myself, I'm not prepared as much as I should be, but you know, a lot of folks wait to the last minute and when, then it gets to be too late, but you know, it's the basics. If you're going to lose power, you know, you got to have water, food, flashlight and medications and you want to gather all this stuff. And especially if you're going to leave, um, you got to, you know, have all this, uh, kind of prepared, uh, have your evacuation route or plan, um, in place. If you do live near the coast, um, and also cash, a lot of folks think, Oh, I can just use credit, but if there's power out somewhere you can, or if you need gas, you know, you, <laughs> the gas pumps, well, first of all, the gas pumps aren't going to work anyway, because there's no electricity, but a lot of folks won't be able to, to use credit card machines. So if you got to buy stuff, you know, you should have some cash with you at least too. That's, that's the one thing a lot of folks uh, don't even think about. Yeah, it's great to have all these things prepared. Um, looking into this year, though, um, what are we expecting as far as the number of storms? I know we have, um, there's been a, a little bit of activity so far this year, but as we get into the heart of the season, what what kind of numbers are we looking at? I know our long range team has worked on that, and you had a little bit um, uh, 
of experience with this uh, forecast. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Weatherworks, we're thinking uh, 15 to 19 name storms. Uh, like you said, Mike, it was kind of a slower start to the season. Um, I think a couple, couple name storms for. Well, it wasn't really. If if you think about yeah, it. Yeah, you're though, right. You're right. It's, it's normal. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, recently, in the last couple of seasons, we've been having early storms that are much earlier um, than really what typically happens. So having a slow buildup this year is, is kind of like normal. <laughs> which is which is good um you know that's what is supposed to happen the, the only thing i'm worried about though is is if things stay slow for a while um then everything's kind of percolating down there in the you know the the main development region as we call it uh, which is you know the southern atlantic you know between uh you know, you know going towards the equator and down the gulf of mexico uh the caribbean you know all these areas are just uh, you know there's so much there's so much energy and heat content that if it's untouched, then when something does go through, there's going to be tons of fuel. Cause that's what, you know, the, the tropical systems they need, they need that, you know, the water above 80 degrees and uh, low shear, which is, you know, not much in the way of wind that can kind of, you know, it allows for the store, for the, 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 the system to build vertically. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's, uh, but again, you know, it only takes one to make it a memorable year, but you know, weather works, we're, we're looking at 15 to 19 name storms we're expecting this year, um, you know, six to 10 of those to become hurricanes and uh, two to four of those to become major hurricanes, which is category three or higher. I guess one of the other unfortunate things that are coming out of this season's outlook are, is the fact that uh, East Coast landfalls might be a little bit more favored than they are in a typical year. And not to say that, you know, hey, we're going to have a sandy type event. Um, but, you know, it should kind of be in the back of your mind that, hey, if we get some of these uh, some of these hurricanes developing, that there might be a better chance of these things directed more towards the coast um, as we head through the season, especially as we head into the peak of the season, what usually happens uh, in the September timeframe. Right. And it's always timing. It's, you know, it's, it's the trough ridge pattern. You know, it, it all depends on what's going on when that system develops and where it's at. Um, you know, if you get high pressure, it starts to build over New England and you get that storm or system that's maybe trying to work its way towards the East coast. And you get that uh, just because of the, the circulation around the high, you know, it, may actually trap the storm if you will and shove it back towards the coast and not let it escape out into the open atlantic so and and you know you mentioned it earlier mike we're coming up on the 10-year anniversary hard to believe of uh hurricane sandy um and and you of all people i mean you were at weatherworks then i wasn't working for weatherworks yet and uh you have some some stories uh that were you know october this year 10 years hard to believe yeah, I can't believe that was 10 years ago, honestly. Um, you know, uh, I, I've told my stories a few times, I believe, on this podcast so far. But uh, I, I don't think it ever gets old, though. I, I think yeah. people <laughs> – you know what it's like when, when I live – remember, to bring up Charleston again, when I lived down there, everyone talks about Hugo. If you even – if you sit down with somebody that's lived there all their lives and you talk – they will tell you stories for an hour about Hugo and the same thing up here. When you, when you start to mention Sandy and people that lived through it and forecasted it too, as meteorologists, it, they just have story and they have new stories that you probably may have never heard before. But as, as you know, I guess it was a, I, I couldn't believe it when I saw it and, and, and I was down South then just watching it, you know, evolve and, and unfold up here and the New York city with the tides and, Oh my God, the flooding was ridiculous. Yeah. Into the subway and everything like that, um, that was going on there. And, you know, I think one of the, the things that impressed me the most with that storm was the wind, um, and how far inland the wind got. Um, I just remember I was uh, staying at a local hotel near our office because, you know, if meteorologists would have went home, um, they probably wouldn't have got, gotten back in with the road closures and everything and the down trees and wires and things that went all over. But I just remember uh, sitting at the hotel room and, and just listening to the wind, you know, and I was like, man, I have never heard the wind howl that strong before. And every time it, it, it howled like that, you know, then you'd hear things breaking. And you're thinking to yourself, well, what's breaking? I don't understand. And it was actually trees and branches and stuff like that that were just constantly snapping. Uh, and you could hear it in the distance. And, 
you know, it's it was an eerie time because that did happen at night too. Um, so I remember coming into work and basically the power was out everywhere. Um, so everything was <laughs> more dark than usual. <laughs> And it was it was almost like a a, a creepy sort of like. <laughs> and it was October. I mean, it was October too. It's coming up on Halloween. Yeah, it was just like a, a a creepy sort of feeling. Like you know what what just happened? You know, I I can't. The only lights I have are my headlights of the car, and, and that's it. And um, you know that that's a one amazing storm. Uh, there couldn't have been a lot of people out too. It was just like a lot of fire and rescue to it. Oh at, yeah. At there point. wasn't, there wasn't much out, you know, anybody out at all. I mean, really, we were the only people, um, you know, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's one of the strongest storms that's ever, um, you know, occurred uh, in the Northeast. I mean, there was um, a hurricane back in 1938 that was a bit stronger with pressure, Um north of Cape Hatteras. So I think it was a 941 pressure, but the pressure as it made landfall for Sandy was 946. So it wasn't too far off of that. Um, and that's just an amazingly low pressure because everybody likes to talk about the superstorm of 93 in the Northeast. And even when that went over, uh, you know, Philadelphia, um, you know, the, the the pressure there was 963 millibars, which is, you know, almost 20 millibars higher than what Sandy was. Um, so it's it's just it was just an amazing system. I don't think we're going to see anything like that again. Um, let's let's hope I didn't jinx that. Um, but, well, I wiped uh, out. Uh, I used to go to Seaside Heights growing up as a kid because I, I grew up in New Jersey. I mean, I wiped out the whole uh, pier right there. They had to redo it. Um, it's just, you know, it's just unheard of. And, and just to see the, the like you said, I think, I remember just watching it um, from down south and just seeing the, like I said, the, the subways and everything. Just It was just crazy. I mean, I just, you would never think to see that kind of stuff in the Northeast. No, and, and it was funny how far, like I talked about the winds that traveled inland. I mean, even Allentown, Pennsylvania, which is far inland from the New Jersey shoreline, um, 81 miles an hour, they had a gust um you know reach so that's pretty far inland uh to be seeing winds of that magnitude um and it it, it was impressive and i gotta say the house that i did live in never lost power somehow <laughs> um you know randomly the power went out uh when a transformer just broke randomly and you know that was during a nice day um, and for some reason in that, in Sandy, we didn't lose power. So I don't know how that happened, but, um, you know, somehow, uh, we made that and top winds with Sandy, uh, over 90 miles an hour, um, in parts of Long Island. Yeah, so, it was, uh, uh, you know, ice slip, uh, came in at like 90. That was right around the, the weather service there and in New York and you know, they measured that, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's even like Sussex up, up in Northwest New Jersey, you know, 75 miles an hour. Um, Newark topped off at like 80. So it was, uh, it was, and, and you know what the, and, and the rain, you know, the rain, of course, you know, it was variable, but there were some spots that picked up over 10 inches of rain, South Jersey, Maryland, you know, and that just led to, to more issues with the flooding and the wind and, ugh. Yeah, but the, you know, further north you went, you didn't have as much rain. It was actually north of the center uh, of Sandy. You didn't see a whole lot of rain. I mean, you know, you're talking about, we talked about Allentown, Pennsylvania, recording an 80-some mile an hour wind gust, and they only had about a little over an inch of rain, <laughs> believe it or not, uh, with yeah, the, Sandy. the wind was the issue, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, that's because all the rain was kind of on the, you know, southwest side of the storm as it came. Right, in. it was kind of lopsided as it came on shore. Yeah, and that kind of happened because it made a transition from a tropical system to a almost like a nor'easter type system. Um, so that's why you had that lopsidedness happen. And, and that's also the reason, you know, something for our listeners to understand is that, you know, that's probably why a lot of these winds were so far inland because that, like a tropical system is very usually tight 
and and like the strongest winds are usually run around the eye, the eye wall. But as a storm, like you said, transitions and loses tropical characteristics, the winds have to go somewhere. So they kind of expand out and away from the center of the storm. And that's exactly what was happening in this case as Sandy was not quote weakening, but it was losing its tropical characteristics. It was turning more extra tropical. Um, and that's why these, the wind field expanded and, you know, we were getting these 80, 90 mile an hour gusts, you know, well away from the center. Yeah. And don't forget, Brad, too, uh, the way that sucked into a uh, big trough diving through the Midwest, there was actually cold air that got ingested into the system. It was October. Yeah. Late October or mid-October, I guess. Yeah. Uh, the mountains of West Virginia, we were talking about uh, one to two feet that's of crazy. snow um that actually occurred and and, and <laughs> you that's kind of unheard of like to 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 see that happen you know people always kind of joke and say oh it's a a snowicane or something or a blizzicane or whatever you want to call it um but this actually kind of did that um in a way yeah it wasn't a hurricane at that time um it made the transition but if it was cold enough, it snowed, yeah. I mean, it was good timing uh, if you like the snow out there because, yeah, like you said, two to three feet. I mean, it wasn't even – it wasn't like, ah, I got a couple inches of snow here. I mean, it was it was just piles of it. And, yeah, I mean, and I, think there was one, I think there was one area that recorded over 30 inches of yeah, snow. Yeah, that's nuts. I mean, I mean, come on. <laughs> How does – when does that ever happen? That just shows you the, the uh, rareness of, of this type of event. Um, but I'm sure we could do a whole episode on, uh, on Sandy. I don't know. Have we done a full episode on Sandy? Well, maybe, uh, yeah, maybe in October. Yeah. Maybe in October when we actually get to the 10 year anniversary, we can, uh, we can do some, another podcast on it and uh, maybe we can have some other, uh, another guest in or uh, somebody that also went through it like you. Right. Uh, either forecasting or maybe somebody from Weatherworks that's, uh, you know. I think support. maybe we bring in the return of uh, our CEO, Frank Lombardo. Mr. Frank that Lombardo. One. That would be, uh, I think that, that would be a good idea. Excellent. Yeah. Um, to so have maybe him we'll do that in October. Because I can't, I can't, I still have that memory in my head when I asked him, Frank, you know, what do you think is going to happen here with this storm? Like, you know, how, how bad is it going to be? Like, and he was like, you know. I have not ever seen a storm this strong impact the New Jersey shore and take this kind of a track, <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking to myself with all his um, knowledge and experience uh, in the weather field since 1986, you know, he's been you know, w- w- developed weather works here and, and he hasn't seen a storm this strong. And it's just like, are you kidding me? You know, like I knew I was, I knew we were in trouble. <laughs> yeah. I know what you're saying. When, when he, when he mentioned that and I was, uh, it added to the, uh, mystique, I guess of the storm, but Brad, I think that pretty much ends it for this summer safety, uh, podcast. That's for sure. Yeah, enjoy the summer, but yes, uh, of course, uh, take precautions, you know, of course the lightning, the severe weather, you know, sunscreen, heat, all that good stuff. But yeah, you know, Enjoy the summer because uh, before you know it, we'll be talking winter again and our winter outlook and uh, yeah, yeah, but <laughs> it's coming soon. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. So anyway, that is our podcast for this week. Remember, uh, on the Weather Lounge, we have a new podcast every two weeks. So come back and listen to us again and even visit some of the older episodes. There's some good ones in there. Um, that I'm sure you'll find interesting. And follow weather follow Weatherworks on social media. We're on you know Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, so in the meantime, everybody, thanks for listening, and we'll talk again soon.